So grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. This week is one week before we celebrate Reformation, and we're going to kind of follow a road to uh, Wittenberg here as Bartimaeus followed Jesus into Jerusalem because it was about 500 years ago on October 31st that an unknown monk in the Augustinian monastery picked up a hammer and picked up some nails and a poster. He walked down to the town church and nailed the poster to the church door. On that poster were 95 statements that the monk had printed out. They were an invitation for anybody who thought they were qualified to debate any and all of those statements with this monk. A few people stopped, no doubt, and looked around what he was doing and then went on their way. It probably took just a few moments to, and a few blows of the hammer to secure that poster on the door. But those blows would become the thunderous in their effect, and they would shake the Christian world to its core because those posters end up being known as the 95 Theses. The church door was Wittenberg Church, and the monk was Martin Luther. When he did this, he didn't know it at the time, but he had just launched the Reformation movement of the Christian church. And as this vehicle of religious thinking circulated and sailed through Europe, stopping in various places from one kingdom to another, the local political and social powers and religious people would experience a change or at least a major shift in their thinking. Somebody was shaking things up, and it was Luther. Well, at some point, someone took down Luther's posters, and they took it to a printer, and the printer put it in his press, reproduced it, and circulated it to thousands of those who could read and to thousands more who couldn't read. So then, as today, the the latest technology in the world, the printing press, empowered people to think for themselves about the truth of the statements that Luther had listed. And that included, by the way, the Pope of Rome. All the way to Rome, he heard about it. Pope Leo understood that these 95 theses were an attack on his legitimacy as leader of the Christian world. Now, Pope Leo was not a person who would avoid a fight or a battle. He was a warrior pope, a leader of armies, who would set out to subdue any threat to his power. And Pope Leo did just that with Luther. He marshaled the full force and the power of the Catholic Church and brought it down on this one monk from a monastery in Germany who up to now, or up to then, was unknown and without any influence at all. As a result, I think you could say that Luther became the first theological celebrity of his time. But Luther would not accept that label and he would always insist that it is Jesus Christ who is a shining star in the dark heavens of religious oppression. So our mission today is not to commemorate the birth of the Reformation or the beginnings of the Lutheran Church. Next Sunday, that's the appropriate time for that as October 31st is next Sunday. 
Today we're going to take a look at what it means to live, to live a lifestyle that became the banner name, the banner slogan for the whole Reformation movement. And that banner reads, the righteous shall live by his faith. These words are recorded in the book of Habakkuk, an Old Testament book. You've probably not run across it. It's very short. Habakkuk was a very minor prophet. But St. Paul quotes him at least twice in Romans and Galatians. And these words, the righteous shall live by his faith, captured Luther. And when he realized what it meant, he saw that the righteous shall live by faith is the thread that unites all of Scripture in Jesus Christ. The righteous shall live by his faith. Powerful words, simple but powerful words. How powerful? Well, Jesus said that if we had faith no bigger than the size of a mustard seed, an extremely small seed if you've seen them, we could say to a mountain, move over here, and it would move. The Apostle Paul said, we walk by faith, not sight. So for believers in Christ, seeing is not believing. It's just the opposite. Believing is seeing. And what we believe is that Jesus died on a cross for our sin. That God raised him up from the dead on the third day. Faith in Jesus means, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And faith is also the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Conviction is to be convinced that the things we believe are real are actually real because the author and the finisher of our faith is Jesus Christ himself. And he is the focus of our faith. Bartimaeus, in his short encounter with Jesus, shows us how a person comes to believe in Jesus Christ to become a righteous person, how their faith is focused on Jesus. Bartimaeus is a blind man. We've heard that mentioned a couple times already. Begging on the streets of Jericho, and the crowd is following Jesus as he walks through Jericho on his way to Jerusalem to face his final week on earth. And the streets of Jericho are crowded. And Bartimaeus learns that it's Jesus who is passing by, and Evidently, Bartimaeus has heard about Jesus and what he's done in other places. And he immediately begins to call out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He keeps calling out, hoping that Jesus will hear him over the noise of the crowd. And the crowd tries to silence him, but that just makes him cry out all the louder. He had nothing to lose. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Well, Jesus hears Bartimaeus, as we've heard in the lesson in the gospel, and tells his followers, go get this man, bring him to me. And they do, but Bartimaeus doesn't have to be invited twice. He hears that Jesus wants to see him, he throws off the blanket that collects his coins, he springs up, is what the text says, and goes to Jesus, the son of David. He goes to the focus of his faith. You see, Bartimaeus heard the gospel, the good news, that Jesus was coming by. And by faith, believing Jesus could heal him of blindness, he called out to Jesus for mercy. God, the Holy Spirit, created this faith in Bartimaeus, focused it on Jesus, and Bartimaeus asked Jesus to give him his sight, 
And Jesus responded, your faith has made you well. So immediately he could see. He could see and he followed the focus of his faith, Jesus, as he continued to walk Jerusalem. And there in Jerusalem, I don't know if Bartimaeus went that far, but if he had, he would have been able to see with his own eyes Jesus suffering torture, being nailed to a cross and dying. Things Jesus did for Bartimaeus and every other person who lived in darkness, spiritual or physical. Have you ever called out to Jesus? Have you ever been in a situation or had a lifestyle problem from which you needed to escape, but you just couldn't escape? You were hedged in on all, in every direction. Have you ever been separated from the help that you need? And have you ever felt that you've been isolated from the help available? And maybe even you see your life at times as not worth continuing. Do you see yourself as sitting with Bartimaeus on his blanket calling out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The call comes from the heart. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. We can even sing our call out to Jesus in these words of a gospel song. Pass me not, O gentle Savior, hear my humble cry. While on others you are calling, do not pass me by. Jesus, Jesus, hear my humble cry. While others you are calling, do not pass me by. Fanny J. Crosby wrote those words. In a way, she sat on that blanket with Bartimaeus. She was blind all her life from her birth in 1820 to her death in 1915. She wrote the words of that song, that chorus, 40 years after her birth. And it was only one of the 9,000 hymns she composed that are still in American Gospel songbooks today. You see, Fanny Crosby knew about Bartimaeus, and she knew about the miracle Bartimaeus received. And Fanny Crosby also knew Jesus. For 48 years, she must have wondered why she still sat in darkness. Her song, Do Not Pass Me By, comes from her heart. Well, could it be that Jesus had a purpose in mind that included Fanny touching the lives of all of us who think too many of our prayers have gone unanswered? And so could it be that we think we might as well stop praying for answers that will not come? Or could it be that our prayers are being answered? Perhaps they are being answered in the lives of people we don't even know or may not even meet in our lifetime. But these are people to whom God provides an answer from the prayers we make. You see, God does not abandon us in our suffering. He walks with us through our valleys, and our valleys, in our valleys, our physical eyes see the suffering and see all the problems and the trouble. And our eyes of faith see the blessing, Jesus Christ. And that blessing can be shared. For instance, when I'm on my job and I'm in the hospital and I'm visiting with some patients, there are times I receive a blessing and really inspiration from the patient's stories. And I tell them that in spite of your illness and severity of it and, and the grim outlook you may face, you are a blessing. God is making you a blessing, even in your suffering.
For years, St. Paul prayed to God to relieve him of a thorn in his flesh. Now, that sounds like a minor annoyance. And we don't know exactly what it is that bothered him, but he didn't want to have it anymore. He was through with it. St. Paul thought it got in the way of his, of his mission work. Well, God told him that he needed that thorn to do his mission work. God said, my grace is sufficient for you to manage it, so let's get on with it. And God's grace, knowing that God will manage it for us, encouraged St. Paul, and for thousands of years, has encouraged Christians who have also experienced those thorns in the flesh. God's grace will get us through it, as he did St. Paul, as he did for Fanny Crosby, and for Christians everywhere. Well, how do we relate to the experience Bartimaeus had? We pray believing Jesus hears us. We believe that every prayer is answered. And we are promised the following in Scripture in Romans chapter 8, verses 25 and following. If we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, helps us in our weakness. But we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Holy Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, Put it in other words, a little more simply perhaps, we pray. The Holy Spirit conforms our prayers to the will of God. God answers our prayers according to his will for the good of all things. You know, we can never pray too much. We need to pray more at all times, in all places. Pray continually is St. Paul's admonition to us in Thessalonians. And we can never ask for too much according to the will of God. Bartimaeus could not call out too many times or too loudly, and he asked for more than any reasonable person would ever expect to receive. We experience the good God gives us, telling people for thousands of years what Bartimaeus, what Bartimaeus received that day in Jericho. He heard about Jesus, believed in Jesus, was healed by Jesus. Fanny Crosby could not write too many songs and hymns about her life of waiting in prayer. God gifted her in her blindness with music and poetry and lyrics more than she could ever expect. And God still creates good through her hymns and songs that people sing to express their faith in Christ today. We cannot pray too often, ask for too much, expecting only the possible. We live by faith, not sight. And the day is coming soon when we will see Jesus, and we will see by faith, what we see by faith now, we will see with our physical eyes. We will see Jesus and know that it was worth it all. And this song lyric, lyric expresses that. It says, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. It will be worth it all when we see God. Life's trials seem so small when we see Christ. One glimpse of his dear face and all sorrows will erase. So bravely run the race 
when we see God. Martin Luther's journey to Wittenberg on October 31, 1517, which was All Saints' Eve, had not been a smooth journey for him throughout his life. He had given up a career in law to pursue and secure a good standing in God's sight. He spent years as an Augustinian monk studying the scriptures, becoming fluent in Greek and Hebrew. He drove, he drove himself to the point of damaging his health by inflicting so much physical punishment on his body. He saw none of the mercies of Christ, only the demanding judge who handed out punishment for any and every transgression. He pursued perfection but failed even more. Spiritually blind, God opened his eyes of faith to see Jesus as he actually is, the Son of God who takes away the sin of the world. The righteous are those who believe Christ died for their sin and was raised from the dead to give eternal life to everyone who believes in him. Luther later on explained how we become believers who live by faith and see with eyes of faith. And so for the benefit all, of all believers and all of us here and especially for people who may not know Jesus Christ, I invite you right now to join me right now in reading out loud what Luther says. You can either find it up here on the screen in a moment or on page 323 in the very front of your hymnal. As we read together the Apostles' third article and Luther's explanation. We believe together. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, and communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins. 